Uh, last week, uh, when I got home, I went, oh, no. I said the quote was from Albert Einstein. I don't know if you remember that or not. I said, by the way, that was a quote from Albert Einstein. It wasn't. Uh, this one is from Albert Einstein, at least according to the Internet. Uh, but uh, I just wanted to make that correction to make sure. If you looked it up in your smartphone, you probably, you probably thought, I'm not listening to anything that guy says because you don't know what he's talking about. So a correction is in order. Uh, tonight, we're, last week, we looked at Luke as a study on the Bible character. This week, we're going to look at the Apostle John. Uh, he was known as the Apostle of Love. Um, we all need good examples to follow, and uh, sometimes there are, uh, like Luke, I really don't think, I can't remember last week, but I don't think we found anything negative in Luke's character, did we? At least I don't remember anything from, without going back and looking, but I think Luke was a good example for what we know about him anyway, and, uh, and so good examples are important as well as bad examples. Uh, the truth is, after studying the life of John, I want to assure my wife that uh, there is hope that as I get older, I might be a better husband too, because we're going to find out that John changed. Uh, he didn't always start out to be the apostle of love, and uh, so there's hope for a lot of us that uh, in time we might, uh, we might grow into something good. Who knows? But uh, we ought to pray for each other that... Uh, we, uh, we would grow. That certainly is God's desire that we might become uh, made in the image of Christ and uh, become more like him. Um, the, these are two books. You may have heard of them, Twelve Ordinary Men by John MacArthur, and also he has a uh, workbook out as well. So some of the material tonight I want to give him credit for um, because I've used his, uh, some of his material uh, as well. Examples are important. We talked about that last week. Uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11 says, Be followers of me, Paul says, as I am also of Christ. Uh, he told Timothy, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example. James says, Take my brethren to prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and patience. Uh, Hebrews reminds us, Therefore, since we are surrounded so great a cloud of witnesses and 12 follows 11, and 11 is the hall of faith, enlisting a whole bunch of characters in the Old Testament who uh, were good examples for us. And then at the end it says, uh, looking unto Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our saints, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So Christ is our ultimate example. Uh, John writes, for I've given you an example that you should do as I have done, that Jesus said that. And Peter says, for even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving the example that we should follow in his steps. The examples recorded in the Bible are for our learning. Uh, here's the real guy who said this. I can't pronounce his last name, but those who don't learn from history are bound to repeat it. And so learning about history and learning the character of uh, folks who lived years ago is helpful for us to, uh, uh, to learn. And so 1 Corinthians does warn us that says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all in the crowd. Down at the last verse, verse 5, Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not, well, not pleased, 
for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples that we might not desire evil as they did. Um, on your one side of your sheet, I've put a bunch of questions, and so I'm going to let you do some of the work tonight, and then I'm going to organize all of that and put it into uh, a way that might be helpful for us to look at it. So if you want to take those questions and look up the references, see if you can find uh, some of those answers. If you can't, if it doesn't make any sense, I apologize. Um, but if you can jot something down on there, it might be helpful if you did the little legwork and looked up some of those passages and see, because we won't be able to go to all of those passages, but we'll get to most of them eventually. On your mark, get set, go. <laughs> this isn't a timed, but uh, what do they say? Let your fingers do the walking. That, that's old, isn't it? There isn't even phone books are a thing of the past, aren't they? Yellow pages. Okay. Steve, they accused me of uh, playing video games on my smartphone. I saw you were, uh, I better come back there and check what you're really playing on there. Uh, or are you looking up the answers on the internet? <laughs> Wait and see. All right, I expect some answers out of you. I'm not real sure the uh, questions that are on the screen are exactly what's on your, your sheet. Sometimes I, I change things as I review it, and as my wife uh, proofreads it, she finds mistakes, and they don't always get changed on the handout or the PowerPoint.
John, you're not allowed to just write down anything. You've got to look up the references, all right? Does anybody need the notes? I forgot to ask. The ushers do have uh, note papers. Okay, how are we doing? Close? Lisa looked up. She's all done. That's not fair. You just guessed. <laughs> You're fast on that. That's, you're used to looking up songs real fast, aren't you? Sunday night when they uh, had those favorites, it's like halfway through till I finally got the right page. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to read the ones I have. It uh, uh, may not match exactly yours. I'm hoping it's close. What nickname did Jesus give James and John? Sons of Thunder. Yes. Why might John have been difficult to get along with? What was that? He wanted to be first. He thought he was better than everybody else, right? James and John. Yeah. Is there a reason why John may have felt like he deserved honor, this special honor that he was asking for? He was there at uh, the transfiguration, and only three of the disciples were there. So he was, did have some special honor given him. What, uh, what is the way to greatness in the kingdom of God? What's that? A servant's attitude. All right. Um, What did John confess that he had done? He did. He saw somebody casting out demons and he didn't recognize him. He wasn't one of the one of the uh, followers of Jesus that he knew about anyway. And so he told him to stop. Um, using a child, what did Jesus want his disciples to learn from the, the illustration of the child? What's that? Honor and receive children, that their children are important. Um, what did John want Christians to know about themselves? Lisa? I'm a sinner. Yes, and if you don't think so, it says you are a liar. Truth is not in you, yes. And what else? It says you make God a liar if you uh, don't believe that. Uh, what, uh, what emphasis is in John's writing now that he is older? Uh, gave you a bunch of references now of some of the verses that... I, I, what's that? Love one another. Love um, seemed to be... Uh, 
seemed to be an emphasis. I'm going to show you, I think it's on the screen, over 65 times the word love is used in the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelation. So uh, it seems like that's a, uh, something he learned after a long time. What was it that John felt he understood now about following Christ and was sympathetic with others who had experienced it too in Revelation 1.9? Anybody? This one's a little tougher. What's that? Persecution, tribulation. Yeah, for the Lord. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, I'm just give you a... In seminary, we were taught there needs to be a proposition. And, uh, and it needs to be a transitional sentence, and it needs to be a three points and a prayer. Uh, anyway, something like that we were taught. So uh, here's the proposition. Anyway, there are three... Three things that he learned as he followed Christ. He learned love, he learned humility, and he learned suffering. First of all, let's look at he learned love. In Mark 3.17, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the names, I'm not sure what that word is, but it says, that is, it meant sons of thunder. Often the apostle is known as the apostle of love, probably because he described himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved at the Last Supper, who was leaning on his breast. John, very humble guy, as he was writing, never mentioned who that was, per se, but he just said the disciple whom Jesus loved. John wrote much about love in his Gospels in the three letters, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, but John was not always loving or lovable. Sons of thunder is not a flattering term given to him and his brother. They were rough, tough fishermen, and with a quick temper. The uh, two brothers lived up to their nickname, actually. Um, They were indignant when a Samaritan village refused to receive Jesus, and the disciples uh, overestimated their apostolic powers. They eagerly asked the Lord, do you want us to, to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Doesn't sound like a very loving uh, disciple. Uh, as nickname is, but when you look at his life in his early life of uh, loving the Lord, he did zealous for the Lord he was, but uh, being loving towards others was not necessarily one of his characteristics uh, early in his life. In uh, the only place where it's recorded in the Synoptic Gospels where John acted and spoke alone, he reveals the same attitude, saying, Jesus, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. We tried to prevent him because he does not follow along with us. He was zealous, but uh, this is one time when he spoke alone. The other time it was James and John, per se. Very arrogant action, and Jesus used it as a teachable moment, which is interesting as I evaluated all of John's life and the change that came in John. Uh, Jesus, you know, sometimes we, I make terrible mistakes. I just... I look back and I'm thinking, what was I thinking? That was really stupid. Uh, I walked <laughs> I walked over to uh, Joanne and, and uh, Anne, Anna, Anna. And, and stupidly, I said tonight, I said, well, it looks like revival took place. Aunt Anna's here. I know I'm going to go home and think, what was I thinking? That was stupid to say. She's a good friend of mine, and we kid a lot. And so, But often I'll say things, and I'll go home and think, I sure hope they didn't take me serious. 
because I was just trying to make conversation. But uh, sometimes it is really stupid, and I should have thought, thought it through. I'm sure John looks back at some of these things that he said early in his life and thinking, kind of dumb. Anyway, but as John grew older, he seemed to mellow some and wrote 1 John 4:11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. There is hope for some of the rest of us that we can change too as we get older. Uh, someone said growing older is a part of life, but growing up is optional. Uh, may we allow God to use the circumstances of life, marriage, friends, and family, and his word to help us to grow. Uh, he learned love, certainly, but John, as he grew older, uh, seemed to mellow some. There is hope. Let's see. That's a repeat, isn't it? Here's a song that kind of summed up as I thought about it. It said, Sitting at the feet of Jesus, oh, what words I hear him say. Happy place so near, so precious, may it find me there each day. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, I would look upon the past, for his love has been so gracious, it has won my heart at last. If you're going to live, leave a legacy, make a mark on the world that can't be erased. Um, do you ever wonder what people are going to remember you for when you're gone? What, unless you wrote your own. I did a funeral for a guy one time who wrote his own, uh, what they call them things, eulogy. He wrote his own eulogy for me to read. <clears throat> I read it, but it's just unusual. Usually, usually other people uh, talk about the good things that that person did, but uh, he wanted to make sure I guess we got it right. Uh, anyway, John learned to love. He learned humility. Mark ten thirty five through thirty seven. And James and John, the sons of Debbie, came to him and said, "Teacher." We want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one on your right hand and one on your left in glory. As I read that, I thought, Sounds pretty arrogant. And it reminded me, it reminded me of James. Do you remember the, remember what James says to some businessmen who thought they, they, uh, could manipulate and run their own lives without thinking about God? He says, Go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell, gain, buy and, sell and get gain, whereas ye you know what, not what shall be on the morrow. What is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice, now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not to him its sin. I think this is, uh, that the way that was phrased, the way James and John made their request to Jesus seemed a little arrogant, didn't it? Uh, and in fact, uh, uh, he, uh, he did some planning, certainly without humility. He planned without humility. James and John are zealous to follow the Lord and had great love for him. Their interest and concern for the future kingdom of God seems to have dominated their thinking a little too much. I think Pastor warned about that the other day. Sometimes we, we think about, it's great if we think about heaven and think about uh, eternal things, but sometimes, what do they say? Somebody's so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Uh, truth is, is we have been given responsibilities to live here and to accomplish 
what God wants in our life. According to another gospel writer familiar with this event, they even had their mother get involved. And it says, he records it as their mother asked for seats of honor in the kingdom for her son. So uh, it probably was a family request. They probably all were there the way it, if we put the two accounts together and uh, understand that. Their error, I evaluate it, say their error was in wanting the position uh, more than their effort to be worthy of that position because Jesus said that will be given to whom it has been prepared for. It's interesting, his response. Anyway, planning is good, but we ought to be, te- ought to be tempered with a good dose of humility. He planned, uh, he learned humility. He planned without humility, misunderstood greatness. Jesus' response to their request was to explain to them how to be great in the kingdom of God. God's judgment of greatness is different than what we see in the world around us. Those who are great are those who seek to serve others with humility. Uh, Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. For whoever should be great among you will be your servant, must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man came to be served, came, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So he uses himself as an example to say, learn to serve others and, uh, and be humble about it. Not long before this, it is interesting as I thought about this, I started reading back through going in reverse (laughs) from where I was here and went back through reading kind of backwards to see what happened before this. And right before this, uh, the disciples were arguing about who was the greatest among them. And so this isn't just a James and John thing. It It had been the discussion of the disciples and when they were arguing, they came to a place and Jesus set a child in their midst who he considered great. And there came to Capernaum and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you uh, discussing on the way? They all kept silent for on the way they had argued with, with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve and he said unto them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all, servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whosoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Receiving children and caring for them, Jesus considered great. Um, I've always been impressed with Pastor Burgraff's concern for children. I've just, ever since I've been here the 30-some years, I was here as assistant pastor He's always had such a heart for children. He wrote the Calvary Club books were his design. Um, there's just so many things that he's, he's been, and as I read this, it just, I just thought it's like his concern for children was so important to the ministry in bringing young people and caring about their children. Uh, very important, just what Jesus said, because sometimes... Uh, we, we neglect and think that we ought to win adults to the Lord, and we should. But sometimes the greatest, uh, the greatest way to win, redult, result, win adults is to um, work with their children and show love and concern for children. Uh, 
the common, think, common thinking was that Jesus, the children are insignificant until they become older. Jesus had to rebuke his disciples when they chased the children away from him. And he took, his up, he took them up in his arms and blessed them. Uh, he, planned without hum- he, he planned without humility, he misunderstood greatness, and he grew, though, in his understanding of humility. John never mentioned his name in the Gospels, as, you, as on his Gospel. In the Gospel of John, you never find him saying, I did this, or I went here, or uh, I accomplished this. Never was it. Je- Maybe Jesus' humility in washing his feet at the Last Supper changed him. I don't know what it was, but gradually, John changed. Uh, John seems to mellow as he grew old in the Lord, 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. John seemed to understand, as he wrote 1 John, that we're not there yet. We haven't arrived. And one day, we're going to be perfect. When we get to heaven, we'll be glorified, and our sin nature will be gone. But until then, we have a battle. And uh, humility is not something that we automatically have and need to work on. I read a story, though. Never heard of this guy before. Dwight Morrow, uh, the father of Anne Morrow Lindbergh, once held a dinner to which Calvin Coolidge had been invited. After Coolidge left, Morrow told the remaining guests that Coolidge would make a good president. The others disagreed. They felt Coolidge was too quiet, he lacked color and personality. No one would like him, they said. Anne, six years old, spoke up and said, I like him. And then she held up her finger with a small bandage on. He was the only one, she said, at the party who asked about my sore finger. Her daddy said, that's why he would make a good president. And he did. President Calvin Coolidge was elected in 1924. He gained a reputation as small government conservative, as a man who said very little but rather and ra- had a rather dry sense of humor. Coolidge restored public confidence in the White House after the scandals of his predecessor's administration, left office with considerably popularity. It's an interesting. Sometimes you can judge the character of a person by how much they care for others and especially uh, for children. I found this quote from C.S. Lewis. It took me a little while to think about it. I'm not, I don't catch on very quick, so I have to study these, these sayings because they're kind of thought, take thought. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. <laughs> uh, sometimes I'm too concerned about me. And John started out that way, but John learned humility. He also learned uh, suffering. And so uh, we want to talk about that for a moment. Um, Revelation 1.9, you look that up. It says, I, John, your brother and partner in tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. He now considers, instead of being cocky and arrogant uh, with the other disciples and with other folks, uh, truth is now he calls brothers. He identifies with them. Partner in tribulation, patient endurance. 
Um, those are not terms that probably in his younger years he would have used or thought of. He was pretty, uh, pretty rough and tough. John had to learn some tough lessons until he got to the place where he understood suffering. John seems to want the glory and honor without suffering, showing by uh, wanting the best position in the com- coming kingdom. He and the other disciples forsook Jesus, though, on the night of his arrest. Remember, he, he wanted to be great. Jesus said, are you willing to... Um, are you willing to take the baptism that I'm going to be baptized with? And he said, yeah, we are. (laughs) I don't think they had any clue what was involved in their agreement. But when they saw Jesus arrested and realized that this was going, that they could be arrested as well, they all fled. Uh, Sometimes we can get cocky and think, I'm a pretty good Christian. I've got a solid foundation. I would never deny the Lord. I would never, uh, I would always stick up for the Lord. Peter found out that that, that even though he said he would, <laughs> he didn't. In his defense, though, John did see Jesus in glory on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus did promise them that they would share in his glory and sit on his thrones in the coming kingdom. Uh, But the way to glory includes participating in suffering of Christ, but none of the sufferings of this world are are worthy to be compared to the glory which will be shown us. So sometimes uh, we want all the honor and glory, but none of the hardships. I always chuckle when I think about we we want a great president who's been tried and tested and you know, he's gone through a lot of trials and had to make some tough decisions that weren't easy to make so that we know when he gets to be president that he's going to, uh, that he's going to make good choices. But none of us want to go through those difficult times, do we? We want everybody else to be tested and tried and true, but the process is tribulation and trials. What do they say about sports teams? They learn more when they lose than when they win because they go back and study and and think about what caused their loss. John learned that what it would mean to suffer as he and Peter ended up following Jesus later on that night. To his credit and Peter's credit, they were the ones that actually then went and were watched the trial uh, that night when he was arrested. He watched... However, he watched as they bound Jesus and beat him in the house of the high priest, according to John 8.15. So the suffering in his heart, although Jesus suffered, can you imagine John, who loved Jesus dearly, watching that happen to him? It had to just tear his heart apart. John may have been the only disciple at the cross and watched the crucifixion uh, when Jesus, of course, said, uh, take care of Mary and gave him a responsibility, but he's the only one that we have record of that was actually at the crucifixion and watched uh, Christ crucified. When his brother James became the church's first martyr, it was a personal loss for him. James and John were close together as brothers, but James was a martyr, uh, the first martyr of the church at uh, Jerusalem. When each of the other disciples were martyred one by one, John would have suffered grief and pain. They were his friends, He alone was left, had to be great sorrow for him. He served together and followed Jesus with the twelve. And now he's the only one left, uh, according to history. 
John and his brother James said they were able to be baptized with the baptism that Jesus was, was going to experience. I doubt they had any idea what that would really mean in real life. John was faithful in accepting suffering as a part of following Christ. He was banished to the island of Patmos for his faith in the Lord. Revelation 1.9, we just read, uh, and he understood that this was part of his brothers uh, were persecuted as well and uh, went through tribulation. Now it was his turn. Uh, Using these terms sounds very different than the arrogant, cocky fisherman of early in his life and the man who wanted to call fire down from heaven on unbelievers. One very early commentator on the book of Revelation said that John worked um, as a prisoner in the mines on this small island. He was, it would have been a very harsh environment for prisoners. Um, some of the history, tell, as I read about it, it was, they said it probably lived in caves, no, no conveniences at all because it was an island where they banished bad prisoners. But it was there that God gave him great revelation to be written down. John described himself as a brother who was patient in an endurance of suffering. His suffering had come because of his faithful proclamation of the gospel, his faith in the word of God and testimony of grace. I read, I read as I thought about John and the persecution and the trials that the disciples went through, I'm thinking, we live in an awfully convenient and easy time, don't we? None of us have resisted unto blood. I think the, I forget where that verse is, but in Hebrews maybe, um, when it talks about the uh, prophets going through difficult times, we, uh, I wonder how tough, I wonder how tough I would be if I was put to the test. We aren't. We, we live comfortable, and being a Christian is kind of okay. It wasn't in uh, John's time. What a great change in John today. We have the fruits of his life in the gospel, wrote first in the gospel as well as first and second and third John and the book of Revelation. The word occurs 65 times, the word love. What a good example John sets before us, allowing God to work in his life, using the mistakes to grow, molding him into a fine follower of Jesus Christ. His example is important for us to follow. As we read the verses early in the beginning, having examples to follow is so important in our life. We need to follow Christ. We need to learn uh, doctrine. We need to learn the teachings of Christ. But having an example to say, this is how it works out in real life. This is, and to see the growth in John's life, to realize that how, I think I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm, I think about Jesus' patience with the disciples. They were rough, tough fishermen. I think seven of them I read that were fishermen. That was a tough, tough job. Probably night shift. They would go out at night and, and uh, it was a tough life. And I don't, it was only by God's foreknowledge that he would have chosen those kinds of men. Um, I'm not sure. Seeing what John, was, John, James and John were like and Quick, I think. Uh, I think MacArthur has a title for each of the disciples, and the disciple, the title for Peter is 
a foot-sized mouth. <laughs> he, he put his foot in his mouth so many times. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and anyway, he nicknamed him that. There is, there is a story of pelicans. It was called Pelican Paradise in Monterey, California. For many years, uh, it was called Pelican's Paradise. As a fisherman cleaned their fish, they would, they would throw off the offfall to the pelicans. The birds grew fat, lazy, contented. Eventually, however, the offfall was utilized. They found a use for it. And so they no longer fed the pelicans. Uh, when the change came, the pelicans made no effort to go and fish for themselves. They waited around, grew thin, many starved to death. They had forgotten how to fish. And so what they decided to do is to bring other pelicans from the south who uh, foraged for themselves, and they were placed among their starving cousins, and newcomers immediately started catching fish, and before long the hungry pelicans followed suit, and the famine was ended. Sometimes we need a good example to follow. Luke has shown, or John has shown us uh, the important examples of how to live the Christian life. He was a good student of history. Uh, uh, let's see, I need to go to the next slide. There we go. John's a good example for us to follow. I'll get the right. Uh, he said, what kind of example are you leaving for others? Which really made me think. It's like, it's nice to look at Bible examples and say, ah, pattern, a pattern for my life. But if we're serious about it, it's like, what pattern am I leaving for someone? If someone were to write a story about my life, would it be any kind of a pattern that somebody could watch? Love, humility, and suffering graciously is the example John left. Like John, are there areas in your life where you need to grow? That was the thought that I want to leave with you tonight is to say, as you look at your life, say, how loving are you in practical ways? Not just saying, well, I love, I'm a, I love, but... Can it be demonstrated in your life? If your life was written, would, would the writer be able to point to certain things in your life to say, it's obvious that these characteristics were part of your life? Our Heavenly Father, thank you for John's example, for uh, his love, his humility, and his uh, learning suffering. We pray that each of us might want that for our lives, that we might want to please the Lord in these ways. And John certainly became a uh, great disciple in the end. He, uh, he left a legacy in his writings for us to learn and to follow. And so help us, Lord, to be committed to you, to love you, and to learn what it means to be great in your kingdom and to accomplish your purposes. Help us to be uh, come like the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless us now as we pray, as we bring our request. Uh, prayer was definitely a part of our forefathers and, and their lives, and they meant business. They knew that uh, you, our Heavenly Father, are powerful, and hear and answer prayer according to your will. And so bless us tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.